water's ready. I know the candidates are ready. I see some of them in the back. And uh, so I just want to share a few words of encouragement from 1 John chapter 4. Uh, 1 John chapter 4. As we continue uh, our teaching journey through the book of 1 John, I want to invite your attention to 1 John chapter 4. I want to begin reading in verse number 7 when we get there. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 7. So whatever you say, Lord, I'm yielded. Yes, sir. If you say, speak, Lord, it's spoken. Yeah. If you ask me to go, Lord, I'm going. Just let me hear your voice, Lord, and I will listen. I will listen. God knows I will. I'll listen. Just keep me in position to hear from you. Lord, I won't ask a question. I will just do let me hear your voice, Lord. Please let me hear your voice, Lord. We need to hear your voice, Lord. Now we'll hear this First John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 7. You'll find these words recorded there. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's the word of the Lord for us this morning. You may have your seats. Father and our God, thank you for this privileged preaching moment. I pray now, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. Send the type of anointing that makes preaching easy. Hide the preacher now safely behind the bloodstained cross of Calvary that we might hear from you and not from me. Lord, I've studied, but I need your strength. Prepared, Lord, but I certainly need your power. So, Lord, I ask you simply to do it again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. For a few fleeting moments before we head our attention, turn our attention to the baptism pool, I want to share around the idea, the litmus test of love. The litmus test on Love. There is a lot that is presented as love in the world, and the Apostle John uh, tends to focus a lot of his attention on a few themes, one being love, other being light and, and knowing uh, the Lord. All of those things are important, and, and, and the Apostle John is like, a, is like a good preacher. He can identify, identify amen, when, uh, he can identify when it's necessary, hear me, to repeat something. 
He's like a good preacher. He is reading the room. He's identifying if people are understanding what I'm saying. And if not, he'll go back and revisit that which he had said. So we pick up on this conversation in chapter 4 that he actually begins in the end of chapter 3. This idea of the incredible love by which we have been loved of the Father. And he wants us to understand that our response to the love of God ought to be how we love other people. Amen. He took a deviation in the beginning of chapter 4 to talk about truth and error, but then he seems to come back because he wants us to understand that we must be those who love others. And I want to argue this morning as we look at this witness test, this reality that God is love, that if we're ever going to fully understand God's love, we need to recognize that his love must be experienced. Must be experienced. I'm, I'm in the text. I'm not going to be long. Look at what he says in the beginning of verse 7. He, he says this, Beloved, love one another, for love is of God. In the old song, the children say, Beloved, beloved, love one another, for God is love. And it says, if They that love not, know it's not God, for God is love. If you're not loving, you must not have experienced the love of God. I want you to see how the Apostle Paul begins this section. It, it actually is that continuation of thought. And he says, I want everybody to fully understand, you don't deserve the love of God. I hope you heard what I just said. I know you think you all that in a bag of chips. I know, I know your Buddha told you how precious you are, how fine you are. I know your mother, your father, your family has always rallied around to tell you how great you are. But can I tell you the truth? None of us deserve the love of the Lord. And he wants us to be very clear. We, we, Even though we don't deserve it, we've experienced it. This is what he says in verse number 9. In, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Minister Chandra, John is emphatic that the love we receive and should offer others is only made possible through the person and work of the Lord Jesus. Yes, yes. God is love, and his love was made visible to us. That's what that word, it was manifested. It was made visible to us in that God sent his son into the world that we might live. Here. John reminds the people what he wrote in the Gospel of John, the most familiar verse in all of Scripture for God. So loved the world that he gave his only son. See, love can't just be an inward feeling. Love isn't just an emotion. It's, it's not something that you can just identify with without fully experiencing it. Tina Turner was wrong. It's not a secondhand emotion. Real, genuine love will motivate you to do something. It's, it's not something that's on the surface. God so loved us that he gave. And as a result of him giving, you and I can experience the love of God. He gave his son, watch this, for us. I know you've heard it before. I know you already say, PC, go ahead and run past this. We heard this in Sunday school. But I want you to know the love that God has for us was not bilateral. It wasn't like we had to do something to receive his love. His, we added no value to the Lord. In fact, if we're honest, we're a liability to the Lord. Yet he loves us. 
I, I waste, I don't like to waste no time on things that are not assets. But God looks at us and says, I love you, even though you're not so lovable. It's a picture of commitment. The commitment of love that God has for us is what motivated him to do what we could not do for ourselves. Verse 10 says, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John wants us to understand, Xavier, that, that love can't fully be seen in our attempts to love the Lord. But it can be seen in God's willingness to love us. In other words, watch this. It makes sense for us to love God. Amen. It's logical for you and I to love God. It makes sense for us to love God. It doesn't make sense for him to love us. Yeah. But his love was demonstrated for us. And that he gave his one and only his unique Son who sacrificially became the propitiation, fancy word for the satisfactory payment for our sins. His love was demonstrated and we experienced his love. We experienced his love most visibly on the cross of Calvary where he laid down his life even though he had done no wrong for people who didn't deserve it, who had done all the wrong. His love is experienced, but not only is it experienced, it's, it's, it is to be extended by us. But look, look, look at verse 11 with me. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. <laughs> Lift your head up. That's, that's, that's heavy. That's weighty. That's deep, but it's simple. He says, here's the litmus test. When you fully experience the love of God, then you extend it. You become, watch this, a conduit of that which you have been a recipient of. Yes. When you've received God's love, you're willing to extend it to some other people. Oh, yes. Many claim to understand the love of God intellectually, but it can only be understood experientially. Yes. Once you have experienced his love, that means you've come to grips with the reality that you ain't that lovable. And even though you ain't that lovable, he still loves you. It ought to cause you to give grace to some other people around you who you have deemed not that lovable. Preach, Pastor Chris. The apostle wants to be clear that if we receive it, we got to extend it. And it's an amazing, weighty statement that's so simple in the text because it says, if God, verse 11, so loved us, it's that... Is that so love for me? Is 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 that 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 love that is beyond our ability to fully comprehend? So love. It's it's beyond our worthiness. So love, and it's beyond our ability to reciprocate. Yet he so loves us. And if he has so loved you, then you ought to love somebody else. He says, John says, we show people, watch this, what God looks like when we love them. My goodness, I hope you hear me, that the world will see Jesus in the way you love them. That they may not, uh, uh, Jesus says it like this, that men would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, they're not even going to give you credit. They're going to immediately identify that in from here. That, that kind of love doesn't make sense, but why would you love me in spite of me? And we say it's because we're extending the love we've received 
John says in verse 12, because nobody has seen God at any time. But they see y'all all the time. And if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Listen, when we love people, we testify about the love of Jesus. We, we, we we're going in a couple of weeks to Joseph's house, and we're going not, not to get pats on the back. We're going to be the hands and feet of the Lord. We're going to meet people in dark places and let them know God loves you. You are worthy. You bear the image of God, and God has better in front of you. That's why we're going. We're going because God called us to extend his love. God's love is perfected in us when we extend it to someone else. But don't be selfish with God's love. You hear what I'm saying? A lot of folk like to talk about how much God loves them. But got a laundry list of people who you've cut off. Who haven't met the criteria or the, the you know, they, they haven't met the standard by which you give them or deem them worthy to receive your love. God's love is perfected when we extend it, when we become the hands and feet of the Lord. The world sees the love of the Lord. His love is experienced and his love is extended. But not only that, his love is effective. The love of God is effective. Hear me, I'm going to show it to you. Verse 17 through verse 19, critical part of the text. Listen to what John says. He says, love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Now, this, these verses... Lynn, these verses are a picture of eschatology from the apostle. Now, if you, you've been around, you know I said that, that John is an old man now. He's writing this, and he sees the end of his life coming quickly. He recognizes that he may not be around long, even though every day he's expecting the Lord to return. He sees the end, and so he, he begins to paint this picture of eschatology in the text. A lot of us, a lot of times, we've taken verse 18 out of context. This, this idea of perfect love casts out fear. And we've taken that out of context and we've struggled to apply it to our lives. But I believe what John is saying is really simple. He's saying because of the unilateral love of the Lord that was made manifest to us in the person and work of the Lord Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of the day of judgment. That there is a great and terrible day where all of us are going to have to stand before the righteous judge. And I don't care how you try to cover it up down here. I don't care how you try to fake the funk on a nasty dunk. I don't care how you try to convince people that you all right. All of us at one point are going to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord and we're going to have to give an account. And those of us who have not been perfected by the love of the Lord will see that day as something to be afraid of. But those who have been recipients of God's love understand the end of John 3.16 that says if we believe we shall have everlasting life. So John says perfect love, that love of Jesus, it casts out fear because fear involves torment. John says some people are afraid that they're going to face torment from a righteous God because they have rejected his love. 
But if you don't reject his love, if you receive his love, if you experienced his love and you extended his love, then his love is effective to get you from earth to heaven. Oh, man, I wish I could be more deep and profound. But this is what the text is saying. That perfect love understands that we no longer need to be afraid of the day of judgment. John says that, that, that Jesus accomplished that for us. His, his love is eternally effective. It's, it's not just effective today. It's effective for tomorrow. It's effective for eternity. It was effective yesterday. It's so effective that I can pass it to my children. And I know just how much God loved me. He loves them. And if we recognize that, we'll be able to rest even as the end approaches. So John says, John says his love, his love accomplished that for us. His love is eternally effective. And John says, man, that's why we love him so much. He, said, he says it in verse, verse number 19. We love him, watch this, because he first loved us. He first loved us. And that speaks to eternality, the eternality of his love. It is, it's not simply saying he started loving us before I loved him. My wife and I, we often chuckle. She's watching this morning with, with baby Kayla at the house and and uh, we often laugh about who said I love you first, and uh, and it was and it was her. Um, <laughs> so be clear. Uh, but but we, we often laugh at, at about who said it first. But that's not what John's saying. John John isn't saying you was doing your thing and then one day God said, Hey, I love you, and then you was like, Okay, I love you back. No, John says he, we love him because he loved us before. That's that's in, in the in the original language. That's that's what it says. It says he he loved us before, before what? Before everything. He he loved us in eternity past. He he loved us before the foundation of the world. That's why I told y'all a few weeks ago. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any less, and nothing you can do to make Him love you any more, because He has loved you eternally. He loved you before. John said the reason I love Him is because He loved me before. Before I got my act together, before people thought I was worthy, Paul puts it like this. He commended his love. He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, while you was a mess, he died for us. Paul says it that way. He loved us eternally and his love is effective. Last thing I want to offer you, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Russ in the pool. Last thing I want to offer you is that his love is not only experienced and extended and effective, but his love becomes evidence. It becomes our proof. And look at verse 20. Listen to, what, listen to what the apostle says. Really simply, he says this. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must, must, must love his brother also. Hear me, the evidence that you have been a recipient of God's love is that you are able to love other people. I, I want to say this, there, there, there are two evidences that John gives, and I want to pray for you. The one evidence is that you love other people. That's what he says at the end of chapter 4. But if you turn the page in your Bible to chapter 5, verse number 1, he says this, whoever believes that Jesus 
is the Christ, who's born of God, and anyone who believes him, who begot who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. I'm finished. This is what John says. John says, here's the evidence that you have been loved by God. You have received his love. Number one is that you love other people. You love people because he loved you. So not only do you love other people because he loved you, the second evidence is you do what he says. He says, if you love God, keep his commandments. I, I, I'm a parent. I'm finished. I'm a parent. And I don't want my children to just tell me they love me. Y'all hear me? Now, I do want them to tell me they love me. It does something for me. It blesses my heart. But I, I, I don't just want them to tell me they love me. I want them to tell me they love me and clean their bedroom. Come, come on, two or three parents or not. I want them to tell me they love me and bring me a good report card. Here's, here's why. Because the evidence that you love me is not able to be seen in what you say. It must be seen in what you do. John says the evidence that we have been recipients of the perfect love of the Lord is that we have both demonstrated it through loving other people and we've demonstrated it by how we live will you keep the commandments of the Lord his love was made evident for us manifested for us the person and work of the Lord Jesus now we have the responsibility to be the hands and the feet of the Lord to extend his love to someone else and to keep his commandments with every head bowed every eye closed as we prepare to transition I want to invite you to know Jesus, who to know is life eternal. We're here today to celebrate what God is doing. We're going to see in just a few moments some who have professed faith in the Lord and have made declaration of faith going forward. And I want you to know that you can make a declaration of faith today. The same Jesus who has redeemed these who are going into the watery grave today is willing to redeem you, is willing to rescue you before it's eternally too late. And he loved you before. He loved you before this moment. He loved you before you came in this building. He loved you before you understood who he was. But he's waiting for you to recognize his love. To receive his love. Be recipients of it. If you're here, whatever head about every eye closed, you want to place saving faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you right where you are to slip your hand up that we might pray for you. That's you. You want to be saved today. Just slip your hand up. You want to receive the love of the Lord. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Perhaps you're saved, but you don't belong to a church. You believe God's calling you to this place. We invite you to be a part. If that's you, just slip your hand up right where you are. I thank Father. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this privileged moment that you've given to us. Help us, Lord God, to recognize the litmus test of love. That we look like you by how we love others and how we obey your word. So I pray today, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.